I'm Richard Carey and welcome to Years of Hurt, an international football podcast, which at the moment is all about the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Coming up in the show, we'll take a look back at the group stages of the World Cup and I'll be reading extracts from my World Cup diary. If you like this show, remember you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Years of Hurt International Football. You can also follow us on Twitter at YOHFootball. All the lovely stuff. So you might notice that this show is come to you a lot later than planned. Initially, I hoped to do the show after England versus Iran and England versus USA. Sadly, though, I was diagnosed with COVID last week and I was in a pretty bad way and in no shape to record a podcast. A temperature, I was sick, I was coughing, all sorts was going on. And the COVID also affects your vocal cords, so it was hard for me to speak for long periods of time. But now I've tested negative for COVID, I seem to be on the mend, although I have a few lingering symptoms like a cough, so hopefully that's on the way out and I'm going to be 100% very soon. So yeah, like, like I said, sorry I couldn't bring you more coverage of the group stage, but there was a very good reason why. So let's have a look at the news now. England are through to the last 16 after defeating Wales on Tuesday night. England topped their group with 7 points following a 3-0 win. Wales sadly finished the group with 1 point and they needed a win to stay in. So Wales are out their first World Cup in 64 years. Will it take them as long to qualify for another one? I don't think so because there's more chance to qualify in a 48-team World Cup. There's quite a lot of things happened since we were off air, like Gianni Infantino's rant about how he felt Qatari and Arab and gay and disabled and a migrant worker and European. It was a bit nuts, really. It was quite funny because they showed him in the England game and actually he got booed whenever he was on screen. So I found that quite funny. Then we had the One Love armband debacle. FIFA said they might have to use footballing sanctions against players who wore the One Love armband, supporting LGBT. TQ plus rights and they said this the morning of the England game against Iran that they might get yellow cards for it so England Wales Belgium the Netherlands Switzerland Germany and Denmark all backed out of wearing the one love armband as a result Kane wore no discrimination armband instead and FIFA asked about this months before in advance but they only actually replied and said that they might get booked the day before which seems really unfair why couldn't they just you know giving them a bit more advance warning that might have helped or you know just not being such a dick but it is FIFA isn't it they had the thing with Wales fans where they were wearing their rainbow bucket hats which were kind of taken off them and then it was fine afterwards and then only women were getting asked it was all kicking off but in the end I think they allowed it but stadium staff didn't know they were allowed i think even one person had like an apple watch with a rainbow on it confiscated which seems a very strange thing to do i suppose the other big story has been cristiano ronaldo who was released by man united by mutual agreement during the tournament so he is going into this tournament as a free agent maybe the hottest free agent in football and man united itself could be up for sales the glazers have kind of teased the idea of a sale which before they weren't doing so a lot of things could be changing at man united but as we know a lot of this money now is coming from the middle east so would a middle east backer come in for man united and is that actually a good thing considering all the stuff that's going on in qatar with the world cup 
So it's a bit of a roundup of the news. Now, although I haven't been recording any podcasts during the group stage, I have been keeping a daily diary of my experiences through the tournament. Here are those diary entries starting with the opening game of the tournament on Sunday, the 20th of November. Sunday, 20th of November. Qatar, nil, Ecuador, two. Opening World Cup game on a busy day of sport. In another Arab nation, the UAE, there was the final F1 Grand Prix of the season. It lacked the drama and controversy of last year's event with Verstappen winning another race as Vettel bowed out the sport. Plus, there was the UK Championship final in snooker. I was distracted by Ding's dominance against Allen, who went on to lose 10-7, that I missed the build-up to the Qatar-Ecuador game. The BBC began with a Gary Lineker monologue that addressed the controversy in Qatar. I don't think they even showed the opening ceremony, which featured Morgan Freeman, of all people, along with a disabled Qatarian, saying, why can't we all just get along? Obviously, Morgan Freeman narration can't cover up Qatar's crimes, but I'm sure he's paid handsomely for his appearance. Qatar-Ecuador kicked off and there were stories of match-fixing with the proposed score of 1-0 to Qatar. But the visitors had the ball in the net after two minutes, but the goal was inexplicably disallowed by VAR for offside when it seemed impossible that it could be. There was a worrying sense of pro-Qatar officiating, but that didn't last as Ecuador got a penalty, dispatched by Valencia. Qatar were rubbish and constantly fouled the opposition. At one point, this saw Dion Dublin describe one of their tackles as a clothesline. A second Valencia goal was spoilt for me by the BBC iPlayer's new match facts feature, which listed the goal before it actually was on the stream. This was a horrible opener. Qatar were fancied to do something thanks to their Asian Cup win in 2019, but just didn't. At least there were goals, I suppose. Bad start to the World Cup, and I hope it's not a sign of things to come. Kane across and another! What a goal, what a goal. Beautifully constructed and tremendously finished by Raheem Sterling. Monday, 21st of November. Senegal, nil. Netherlands, two. England, six. Iran, two. USA, one. Wales, one. My day two of the World Cup started by waking up at half three in the morning to go to the loo and be sick. A problem with a Winter World Cup is also flu season, and my work last week was like a petri dish of illness. I guess it's a good excuse to do nothing and watch the football. I croaked my way through England versus Iran. I was shocked to see Harry Maguire having a good game, but more so as an attacking player. He hit the bar off a header and probably should have had a penalty and nodded the ball down to Saka for the second goal. England relied on the aerial game like the great Stoke City teams of the past as Bellingham got his first goal for England to open the scoring. I fancy Bellingham to win the Best Young Player award at this World Cup. He had something new to the England midfield. Sterling rounded off a 3-0 first half lead, another cross by Kane, and things were plain sailing. It was like the Nations League never happened. Saka got his second in the second half and Rashford scored with his third touch. Nice to see the Euro 2020 penalty misses getting a bit of redemption except Sancho wasn't even picked. There were a few warning signs about England's defence as Iran pulled one back. Maybe that's down to the more positive 4-3-3 formation. Grealish got a goal, thanks to an unselfish Callum Wilson, 
and did a celebration dedicated to a lad called Finley who has cerebral palsy. So that was a nice touch. One thing I haven't mentioned is the ridiculous amount of stoppage time in this game. There were 27 minutes in total due to Iran's goalkeeper getting a potential concussion in the first half and they really faffed about replacing him. The last kick of the game was an unnecessary Iran penalty where the referee went over to the screen so you already knew what the result was going to be. 6-2 to England in the end, which was a good result and great for goal difference, although some potential warning signs with the defence for later in the tournament. I didn't catch a lot of Senegal versus Netherlands, but from what I heard it was a bit of a disappointment. Depay didn't start for the Dutch, although he came off the bench and it's nice to see Van Dyke didn't miss out this tournament. Also, Ali McCoist is back on commentary. Hopefully, we'll have the dream team of Clive Tilsley and Ali McCoist at some point in the tournament. Holland won with two late goals from Gappo and Klassen, so job done there. Another problem with the Winter World Cup is that it's peak TV season. This meant I had to make the difficult decision of choosing USA versus Wales or Quizzy Mondays, the trio of mastermind only connect and university challenge. I chose the quizzes because why break a habit of a lifetime? Though I did see the first 30 minutes of the game, it was an emotive sight to see the Wales players and fans blurt out their rendition of the national anthem before kickoff. USA were all over the Welsh and had a great chance early on to take the lead. Weir scored the opener and I didn't actually know he was George Weir's son who is also president of Liberia at the moment. From the highlights, it seemed like Wales got back into it in the second half thanks to the addition of Kiefer Moore. I think it was a mistake he didn't start this game as Wales tend to shape their attacking play around him. Bale won a penalty. It was a careless foul, really. Bale was facing away from the goal. Bale converted the penalty just to level it. 1-1 was the final score. I'm sure Wales will take the draw under the circumstances. This group may come down to who beats Iran by the biggest margin. Tuesday 22nd of November, Argentina 1, Saudi Arabia 2, Mexico 0, Poland 0, Denmark 0, Tunisia 0, France 4, Australia 1. Day 3 and it's the first quadruple match day of the World Cup. I wonder if I'll get fatigued by all this football. No one expected much from Argentina-Saudi Arabia except a convincing Argentine win. That's how it looked like it would go in the first half. Messi scored a penalty after an incident almost identical to the one Harry Maguire had in the Iran match the day before. Argentina had three goals disallowed for offside. Two were definitely offside but Martinez got really unlucky as his shirt sleeve ruled him offside. You could see they were visibly pissed off after that. We really had a game on our hands in the second half. A great finish by Al Sharini, who slotted it into the corner and an absolute wonder goal from Al Dasawi from outside the box. And in a real shocker, it was 2-1 to the Saudis. I was shouting to people on Twitter about this who felt a bit conflicted. Obviously, you wanted the underdogs to win, but then there was the human rights abuses in Saudi Arabia. You have to give credit to them, though, as they played really well particularly in defence with Saud and their goalkeeper. 
Saudi Arabia hang on for what seemed like forever to record a historic victory. Thank goodness this tournament, which had been pretty dull up to this point, finally had some life in it. Sadly, that didn't happen in the nil-nil draw that followed. Denmark versus Tunisia was mostly dull, apart from two disallowed goals, one for either side. Tunisia actually looked a lot better than expected. I guess sides like Tunisia and Saudi Arabia treated this like a home tournament with the how close it was to their country. I was also intrigued by Christian Eriksen's corner system, which involved various hand gestures. Poland and Mexico couldn't capitalise on Argentina's slip-up, as Lewandowski missed a penalty. It's like someone put a voodoo curse on the guy to stop him scoring at the World Cup. He's literally done everything else. The final match of the day didn't disappoint as France took on Australia and it looked early doors like we might get another upset. I watched this on my Kindle, which luckily had enough battery to take it to full time. The Aussies took the lead in under 10 minutes thanks to Goodwin, and I did wonder whether France would fall foul of the old World Cup curse. Unlike Argentina, the French stepped it up a gear and turned the deficit around with goals from Rabiot and Giroud. Giroud equalled Henri's record as France's top goalscorer with his second following that man Mbappe's contribution with a Dembele cross. France feel like they're in a similar place to England in this tournament. Lots of attacking options, but potential issues at the back that might be exploited by better opposition. They are having injury problems though, this time to left-back Hernandez, who was taken off early in the game. But he certainly can't write off the French. Lovely touch there from Asano! from the land of the rising sun the sunset will take a long time to come for this party they beat Germany 2-1 Wednesday 23rd of November Germany 1 Japan 2 Spain 7 Costa Rica 0 Morocco 0 Croatia 0 Belgium 1 Canada 0 my personal life distracted me from the football this morning as I tested positive for COVID before I was meant to go to a doctor's appointment. Good thing there's wall-to-wall football to keep me distracted through five days of isolation. The first match was another disappointing 0-0 draw between Morocco and Croatia. This brings the total 0-0 draws in this tournament to three, which equals the amount in the last World Cup and the Euros combined. Perhaps we did get lucky with a lack of goalless draws. I got a bit of deja vu watching Germany versus Japan as it went in a similar fashion to Argentina-Saudi Arabia. Germany got the opener with a Gundogan penalty after the goalkeeper committed a really stupid foul in the box. I missed the first part of the second half as I was having a PCR test which confirmed the worst. I'm not just sure, I'm COVID positive. I got back just in time to see Japan turn the game around. First there was a great save by Nua, then Dohan put the ball into the net. The sub Asano scored the winner from an acute angle to make it 2-1 to Japan. It's fair to say the Germans are in deep dough now as if they lose to Spain, they'll be out. Their defence is pretty naff and it's clear they're a long way from the golden generation of the early 2010s. Still a cracking game of football though. The goals start coming and they don't stop coming. The tea time kickoff of Spain versus Costa Rica was a walkover for the Spanish. Much like England's game against Iran, this was over by half-time. Spain were 3-0 up in half an hour with goals from Omo Asensio, assisted by Alba, and a penalty from Torres. 
The aging Navas in goal was lacking match practice and it showed. Poor defence allowed Torres to get a second in the second half, Gavi scored a lovely volley, and Sabarata rounded things off with his first World Cup goal for Spain's biggest World Cup win, 7-0. Watching this new Spain side in the Euros and World Cup makes me think they're a lot more attacking-minded than they used to be back in the World Cup winning days. As a result, they are much more fun to watch. They set up their stall in the best way possible. In terms of early favourites, you have to put them up there with France and England, but it's a long way to go. The final match was between Belgium and Canada. I was looking forward to this as I heard rumblings that Canada were actually pretty good. The Canadians took the game to the Belgians who looked all at sea. It should have been one down when Canada got a penalty following Carrasco handball in the box. The spot kick from Alfonso Davies was easily saved and it couldn't convert the follow-up. Canada had a ridiculous 22 shots in this game, yet couldn't hit a barn door. They really deserved to be ahead by the break and it looked like they might have another penalty. Instead, Batshuayi converted one at the other end, thanks to a through ball from Alderweireld to make it 1-0 to Belgium at half-time, which felt like a travesty. Kudos to the Canadian fans, who were like a wrestling crowd, really, at times, with chants like Let's Go Canada, VAR, and I think I heard of This Is Awesome chant at one point as well. Canada retiring and Belgium steadied the ship, thanks to substitutions. I can't believe the inform Trossard from Brighton didn't start for them. Canada still had a go and made some fantastic defensive tackles, but it sadly ended 1-0 after a valiant effort and a jammy Belgian win. It's hard to predict how this group will end up after the first game. We'll have to see if Canada can convert their chances in the next one against Croatia. It's Ronaldo, it's 1-0 Portugal! Portugal in front. Thursday, 24th of November. Switzerland, 1. Cameroon, 0. Brazil, 2. Serbia, 0. Uruguay, 0. South Korea, 0. Portugal, 3. Ghana, 2. Happy Thanksgiving. It's day 5 of the World Cup and day 2 of my COVID isolation. Symptoms seem to be wearing off, but doing anything more strenuous than watching football is still a struggle. I think I'm getting a bit of that World Cup fatigue. Four games a day is a bit much. KG first half has become a staple, and it's not until late in the game where things open up. That's exactly what happened in Switzerland versus Cameroon this morning. Despite a few bright sparks from Cameroon managed by the legend Rigbert Song, Switzerland got a 1-0 win thanks to Mbolo, who was actually born in Cameroon. Switching allegiance to a nation you weren't born in is the closest thing the international game has to a transfer window. Uruguay versus South Korea was a 0-0 draw at number 4. There were some chances for both teams as Godin hit the post. I started singing his name to the song Jolene by Dolly Parton. Godin, 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 Godin. Huang had a chance for the Koreans, who had a back line full of Kims. Look it up if you don't believe me. The tea time kickoff looked destined to go the same way after 60 minutes. But when I dared to switch over to Pointless, suddenly everything happened. Portugal were awarded a controversial penalty as that Ronaldo went down. It shouldn't have been one in my opinion. I'm not saying this due to any CR7 grudge. Ronnie converted the penalty to be the first man to score in five World Cups. Basically, he's old. Ghana woke up and got the equaliser. Joao Phoenix 
dinked it over the keeper to give Portugal the lead again. And there was a bit of offside potentially as Fernandes put it through to Liao, who made it 3-1. Ghana pulled one back with a Bukuri header to make it a tasty finish. The very last keeper Costa put the ball down. And in a moment of genius by Williams, it seemed, he nicked the ball off him, but then slipped at the worst possible moment. Portugal squeezed out a win. If they are to progress in the tournament, it looks like they'll be using Kevin Keegan tactics, which should make for some very entertaining games ahead. Also, shout out to John Champion and Ali McCoyston commentary, who are becoming quite the team. John gave Ali some stick about losing his Qatar phone within six hours of getting it while it was still in the box. BBC commentary can't match that standard. So I stuck last week's Stereo Underground radio show to provide the soundtrack to Brazil versus Serbia. Four matches out of four today were nil-nil at half-time, so it's no problem for the latecomers. I was listening to Ghosts by Japan as Rikalsen scored the opener, which Brazil celebrated like they won the World Cup. Rikalsen, really? Brazil having to rely on a former Everton player. I completely missed the second goal as I was checking social media. I'm such an addict. A bit of skill from Carlson who chipped it up and hit the ball into the net with a bicycle kick. Thank goodness we can rewind live TV these days. This was around the time I was listening to the Colourbox stream from the 1986 World Cup. That seems appropriate. Brazil showed a few signs of class and got off to a better start than their neighbours and rivals Argentina, but didn't exactly set the world on fire. Speaking of on fire, that's what my chest feels like sometimes during this COVID. Iran looking to break. Hennessy's come out a long way. Hennessy with the challenge there on Taremi. A possible red card for Wayne Hennessy. The yellow card has been cancelled and instead a red card will be shown. Friday 25th of November. Qatar 1, Senegal 3, Netherlands 1, Ecuador 1, Wales 3. Nil, Iran, two, England, nil, USA, nil. Once again, events in my personal life are taking over the football. Things began in rather dramatic fashion for me as this morning I heard a massive thud downstairs and I found my dad was on the floor. It turns out I gave my whole family COVID. I called the ambulance and was grateful that he turned up in 20 minutes. I know not everyone has that kind of luxury that we get in Jersey. My dad's okay now, he was resting for the rest of the day and was given the all clear by the paramedics. For this reason, it was difficult to concentrate on the Wales versus Iran game. BBC Breakfast had the usual round of going to footballers' former schools. Wales fans seemed to be uber confident and this couldn't have gone more wrong for them. Iran looked like the brightest side throughout the game and their play was rewarded with a goal in the 98th minute. Wales capitulated and gave away another before the final whistle as it ended 2-0 to Iran. Iran played better than they did against England and seemed to correct their defensive failures. Like in the first half of the USA game, Wales were poor and showed little signs of winning. There were some funny post-match comments with a guy saying shit on Sky News and a bloke saying it was the biggest thing to happen in Iran since the Iron Sheik beat Bob Backlund at WrestleMania. To which my wrestling fandom says, actually it was an MSG show, not WrestleMania. Get your facts right. Now it's a really tough ask for Wales to qualify, maybe in 64 years instead. After running out of bread during lunch and not having an avenue to get any more since we're all isolating, it was time for Qatar versus Senegal. Qatar really aren't very good, but I suppose at least they scored a goal. 
I hope that made the 220 odd million they paid for this worth it. Senegal won comfortably in the end with a 3-1 win. It looked like we might have a game on our hands at one point. Good news for the fans who dress up as lions and play the drums. Well done if you've got Netherlands versus Ecuador in your Clive and Ali sweepstake. Yes, the dream team of Clive Tilsley and Ali McCoy were reunited and it felt so good. But are Holland or Ecuador good? They got a draw here thanks to a Valencia equaliser and perhaps were a little hard done by by a disallowed goal before half-time. Ecuador versus Senegal is now effectively a knockout match, but I fancy Ecuador to progress. Perhaps the Dutch's lethargic performances are actually a good sign as they are usually the kings of peaking at a tournament too soon. Perhaps they will come alive in the knockout stages. This World Cup has already had the dominant England win that gets fans overexcited, so we were due the disappointing performance where fans lose confidence in the player and manager. And it came against England's old banana skin team, the United States. Some were suggesting the loser should have to keep James Corden. Guess we'll have to settle for shared custody. To use a Graham Taylor quote to describe this performance, I do not like that. All the positives from the Iran game were absent from this performance. The US pressed England high and kept up through the entire game and had a few chances to take the lead. England barely had any shots at all and Kane was effectively out the game. Substitutes didn't change things a lot except that Grealish got fouled a lot. People are treating this like the end of the world. It almost feels like they've forgotten about the 0-0 draw of Scotland at the group stages of the Euros, which we got to the final of. In the grand scheme of things, this may not matter, and England are still in the best position to qualify from this group, as they play a poor Welsh side. I'm not calling for the manager's head until the inevitable knockout in the quarterfinals. We'll always look to support Goodwin. Reflection on that, Duke's header! Duke is the king for the Socceroos. Saturday, 26th of November. Poland 2, Saudi Arabia 0. Argentina 2, Mexico 0. Tunisia 0, Australia 1. France 2, Denmark 1. Dad's a bit better today and we've got some more bread in so things are looking up. Super Saturday began with Tunisia versus Australia, which I was slightly dreading. I was pleasantly surprised to see a good performance by the Aussies, and they thoroughly deserved to win this game. Harry Souter made some goal-saving tackles at the back, while Aaron Mui was the star midfielder as Duke got the winning goal. Tunisia were disappointing and couldn't keep up their good performance against Denmark. In the afternoon, my attention was divided between Poland versus Saudi Arabia and a four-in-a-bed omnibus. It's amazing how many places want you to cook your own breakfast now. That's a recipe for disaster. The winner was Rooms at 119. Sorry, Poland won in the football. And finally, Lewandowski scored at the World Cup. Good for him. Bit of a gift from the defender, though. Zielinski got the other one for Poland in a 2-0 win, but the Saudis had a number of chances. Chesney was on fine form as he made several great saves, including a penalty. Group C is surely looking tasty now. France versus Denmark was definitely a fixture earmarked in the group stage. I've been disappointed with Denmark so far, but I think people forget they qualified from their group in the Euros with three points. The match continued the World Cup trend of boring first half open second. Christiansen was very lucky not to get sent off 
for bringing Mbappe down early on. Hernandez pulled it back to Mbappe for France's opener, but Denmark pulled it level with a Christiansen header following a corner. A Griezmann cross to Mbappe got the winner for France, and this guy is just too good. If Mbappe was on France's long injury list, you would probably write them off. Luckily for them, he's not. Our main event of the evening was Argentina versus Mexico, a perennial round of 16 tie in the group stage. Pressure was on Argentina and they delivered. Of course, Messi scored the opener. There was a great curling shot from Fernandes to make it 2-0 to Argentina. Literally all possibilities are on the table for the final Group C matches. Poland only need a draw against Argentina, but Saudi Arabia still have a great chance of qualifying. I'll be paying close attention to those games on Wednesday. Ziyech! Sunday the 27th of November, Japan nil, Costa Rica 1, Spain 1, Germany 1, Belgium nil, Morocco 2, Croatia 4, Canada 1. The World Cup doesn't let up, the day started with a pretty dismal performance by Japan against Costa Rica. They had a few chances, but were pretty lethargic throughout. In a hilarious twist, Costa Rica won the match with their only shot on target in the entire tournament, after a chip from Fuller. Talk about a 100% record. Japan made this much more difficult than it needed to be going into the Spain game. Another team that is disappointing is Belgium. You kind of feel sorry for KDB. He must wish he could change his nationality to French. Batshuayi was naff in attack and they were forced to bring on Lukaku who was not 100%. Morocco scored in the 73rd minute and the match got actually decent. Morocco had a goal ruled out in the first half from a similar free kick routine to their first goal. Morocco doubled the lead in stoppage time with a great goal from Abdahul. Morocco in the driving seat and set to qualify but Belgium are really going to struggle in current form. I've adopted Canada as my second team in this tournament and their game against Croatia started brilliantly with their first ever World Cup goal from Davis in the second minute. Croatia was pretty much asleep for the first 10 minutes, but they woke up. Kramaric equalised and Livja made it 2-1 before the break. Second half goals from Kramaric and Meyer put the game beyond Canada. It's a real shame they're already out after two games where you consider how they've played, particularly against Belgium. I think Croatia will fancy beating Belgium, although they don't even need to. Our main event was Spain versus Germany, and it felt like quite a few sides were taking two games to get in this tournament, and I included the Germans in that category. Rüdiger had a goal disallowed from a free kick for offside. Spain had lots of chances and took the lead thanks to sub Morata, who's becoming a bit of a super sub. Speaking of super subs, the unlikely star from Germany was Fulkrug, who's one of their only out-and-out strikers and scored the equaliser. I think he's earned himself a place in the starting lineup against Costa Rica in their last game. Another really open group going into the last few games. And on for Kim Jin Soo. Can he dig it out? Yes, is the answer. Oh! Monday, 28th of November. Cameroon free, Serbia free, Brazil 
1. Switzerland, 0. South Korea, 2. Ghana, 3. Portugal, 2. Uruguay, 0. I'm still testing positive for COVID and I've got one day left of annual leave. I had a few things to catch up with today, so I had the Cameron-Serbia match on in the background. I probably should have been paying more attention to this six-goal thriller. Typical that most of the 10am kickoffs have been dire, and the last one is a classic. Cameroon took the lead from a header from a corner, but Serbia replied with a header from a free kick. Sergic gave Serbia a 2-1 lead heading into the break, and Mitrovic extended it to 3-1. A great comeback from Cameroon after an audacious chip from the uh, suspected offside, but it was allowed. Chopper Moting got the equaliser and it felt like either side could have got a winner before the final whistle. The 1pm kickoff also provided lots of goals and excitement. Ghana raced into a 2-0 lead after South Korea couldn't deal with the aerial threat. The Koreans came out fighting in the second half and had their own crossing opportunities to pull it back to 2-2 with goals from Chow. After that, Ghana took the lead again against the run of play to make it 3-2. South Korea threw the kitchen sink, but it wasn't enough. They weren't happy when the ref blew the whistle despite the ball going out for a corner. I was mostly listening to the game on 5 Live and I kept getting distracted by it every 5 minutes because it was so much action going on. Neymar was out of Brazil's game against Switzerland and her team seemed a bit off. They had a great chance for Vinatius Jr. in the first half and he had a goal disallowed in the second half. Why even bother celebrating a goal these days until it's been checked by VAR? Brazil were bailed out by a Manu man, Casemiro, with a great strike with his right foot. And there for a minute I thought Switzerland might steal the draw. I must admit I didn't really watch Portugal versus Uruguay as it's Monday night and that means it's quiz night. Nothing can compare to the thrill of getting three answers right in the sequence round of Only Connect. I heard rumblings on Twitter about Portugal's opening goal being credited to Ronaldo when it actually went in directly from a Fernandes cross. Fernandes won a penalty from a handball and scored it himself as Ronaldo had already left the pitch. Portugal threw more comfortably than usual. I do wonder whether this means they'll crash out in the second round. My World Cup logic says yes. Marcus Rashford! Oh, yes! Magnificent! A wonderful young talent who has back his joy for the game! Tuesday, 29th of November. Ecuador, 1. Senegal, 2. Netherlands, 2. Qatar, 0. Iran, 0. USA, 1. Wales, 0. England, 3. Final group games today, including Wales, England. I still just about have COVID, so home for the day's football. Lots of coverage on local news from pubs as reporters desperately tried to find some Welsh fans in Jersey and Guernsey, but no luck. I thought their 4-0 England predictions were a bit optimistic, but they weren't that far off. We had to wait all the way to 3pm for any football, how could we survive? At 3 it was Qatar vs Netherlands and Ecuador vs Senegal. Of course ITV1 showed Qatar vs Netherlands even though it had less riding on it. Clive and Ali were on commentary again, but I don't think they really found form that they had in Euro 2020. Clive got bored and started quizzing Ali about Dutch players who had scored in three games at the World Cup. ITV4 was where the real fun was with Ecuador versus Senegal, which I switched over for in the second half. Ecuador equalised and looked good for them for about two minutes until Senegal took the lead again. I kind of feel sorry for Ecuador as to get four points and not qualify is somewhat harsh, but then the breaks. Qatar lost 2-0, 
with goals from Gagpro and De Jong for the Dutch. Qatar going out of their own World Cup with zero wins, zero points and one goal. LOL. South Africa moved up the World Cup host nation rankings. Everyone was talking about the Wales versus England game. It was a real tall order for Wales as they had to win and rely on the result of the Iran-USA match to qualify. Wales had been poor in this tournament, but they had a decent first half performance to keep it nil-nil, and it was pretty dull in fairness. Luckily, Chesney Hawks performed the one and only at half-time, not that BBC showed it. I was actually watching an old episode of Top Gear instead of hearing the analysis. Chesney seemed to pep up the England team, as Rashford scored from a free kick. Ward should have really protected his back post better. Foden made it two in quick succession after Rashford won the ball and Kane crossed it in. With the game pretty much gone for Wales, Rashford got his second with a bit of individual brilliance as he put the ball right through Ward's legs. It's fair to say Ward didn't have a great game replacing Hennessy, who got sent off in the Iran match, but I don't think it would have mattered if he did. Wales had little to offer, especially as Gareth Bale had to go off at half-time with a suspected injury. The World Cup was over when they lost to Iran, and even if they'd won that match, they probably still would have gone out as USA beat Iran and ended up on five points. I didn't watch most of the Iran-USA game for obvious reasons, but I did see nine minutes of stoppage time at the end. It was a pretty dramatic finish as Iran desperately tried to equalise. They were really trying to get a penalty as well, with one, one of the players doing the VAR hand gesture. Pulisic's goal for cross was a difference maker, he really seemed to take a clattering on that goal that saw the United States through to the last 16. So now we have the Netherlands versus USA and England versus Senegal as our first two confirmed matches in the last 16. Senegal might be a bit of an unknown quantity for England, as I don't think they've played each other before, but I think England have enough to get over the line. It could be another Cameroon Italian 90 situation, but we'll see. The Dutch should also beat the US but they have proved difficult to beat with zero losses so far, so we could be in for 120 minutes or more. Chavez! Oh! Glorious! Beyond glorious! Mexico just might, you know! Wednesday, 30th of November. Poland, nil. Argentina, two. Saudi Arabia, one. Mexico, 2. Australia, 1. Denmark, 0. Tunisia, 1. France, 0. Good news, I finally got a negative COVID test today. That means I was able to leave the house and get some food in. This was my final day off, so I made sure to watch Group D action in the afternoon. I chose to watch the Australia versus Denmark game as I felt there was more riding on it. Denmark have been proper rubbish in this tournament. Sorry, Frank LeBeuf, your World Cup prediction couldn't be more wrong. Tunisia took the lead against France to put them in the driving seat. Apparently France were rubbish after benching key players like Mbappe and Griezmann with qualification assured. Full credit to Australia. They played most of this game on the back foot, but a bit of individual brilliance by Leckie saw them take the lead to put them in qualifying position. Denmark were wasteful with their chances and Suter once again was a rock at the back. Australia hung on to qualify for second place with France's loss not affecting their top spot in the group. Things got really tasty in the Group C finale. The least likely to qualify, Mexico, made a break for it as they were leading Saudi Arabia 2-0. Poland were really poor as they soaked up Argentine pressure. 
Argentina were giving a really harsh penalty after Chesney collided with Messi. But Chesney saved the penalty, his second of the tournament. He's had a great tournament, really. In the second half, Argentina took the lead thanks to Gary McAllister. Sorry, it was just some other bloke from Argentina called McAllister. Argentina eventually extended their lead to 2-0 with a goal from Alvarez, leaving Poland and Mexico equal on goal difference, goals scored and points, with Poland due to go through on fair play record with less yellow cards. Poland didn't concede again, but yellow cards didn't actually come into play as Saudi Arabia pulled a surprising goal back in stoppage time. Mexico couldn't get another goal and Poland qualified despite a terrible performance where they barely had an attack. I suppose that's good news for France who faced them in the last 16. Results also made Saudi Arabia's victory against Argentina a bit pointless really. Goal there from Serge Gnabry. It's good enough for Germany at the moment, but here comes Japan! Oh yes! What an impact! Off the substitute's bench! Thursday 1st of December, Costa Rica 2, Germany 4, Japan 2, Spain 1, Canada 1, Morocco 2, Croatia 0, Belgium 0. White Rabbit's happy advent is it December already? I was back at work today for the first time since Covid. My day was pretty busy catching up with backlogs, so I miss the afternoon's football. Belgium were the first giants to fall in a real giant killing day at the World Cup. They had been poor, but I heard reports that they were playing well here. Lukaku missed some real sitters though. They got really unlucky with a harsh offside decision, but that's technology for you. Maybe we should just go back to human error. Morocco comfortably enough beat Canada. Bourjan, the Canadian keeper, had an absolute howler for Morocco's first goal. Canada did get a second goal, albeit an own goal, from the goalkeeper. So that means they're twice as good as Qatar. Most people didn't have Morocco topping this group, while Croatia qualified with the standard five points out of nine. I was back home from work to watch the final Group E matches, and this was a pretty epic night of permutations. The first half was a bit slow, but things sprang to life in the second half, as Japan got two quick goals just after the break to overturn a 1-0 deficit. That second Japan goal was really controversial as the ball appeared to cross the line and go for a goal kick. VAR must have found an angle though that said it was in. I thought these things would have goal line technology anyway. Things went nuts in the other game as Costa Rica took the lead to make it 2-1 over Germany and the table had Japan and Costa Rica qualifying ahead of Spain and Germany, which would have been really funny since Costa Rica got absolutely smashed 7-0 by Spain. Sadly, it didn't stick as Germany scored a quick equaliser and won the game 4-2, thanks to goals from Havertz and Fulkrug. But they were hoping Spain would get an equaliser, but after they took Morata off, they didn't have a lot of attacking threat. Japan qualified as group winners. How do you beat Spain and Germany but lose against Costa Rica? Only Japan. Spain qualified as runners-up to set up a potentially easier match with Morocco. I was thinking we would see a repeat of the last 16 at Euro 2020 between Spain and Croatia, but it wasn't to be. Germany, the second big side to be eliminated of the day, out of the group stage for the second World Cup in a row. 
they were screwed after that Japan loss. So I'm not really sure where they go from here, but there needs to be quite a bit of a rebuilding job in Germany. This was a great night and a dramatic end to the group stage, and it does make you wonder why on earth would they want to change this format when you have matches like this that make the groups so dramatic and worthwhile. Friday 2nd of December, Cameroon 1, Brazil 0, Serbia 2, Switzerland 3, Ghana 0, Uruguay 2, South Korea 2, Portugal 1. Again at work today, so it was difficult to follow the afternoon group games on anything other than text updates. Group H provided more drama as it looked like Uruguay were heading into the second round after their 2-0 lead at half-time against Ghana. The match was being billed as a grudge match from the 2010 World Cup quarter-finals and that famous Suarez handball. Ironically, history repeated itself as Ghana also missed a penalty in this match. Uruguay were through until injury time when South Korea took a dramatic 2-1 lead against Portugal. It really felt like the teams that knew they were through already couldn't be asked for their third match. And it's pretty jammy that South Korea qualified having lost already to Ghana in the group stage. I got home from work about 20 to 7 and had time for tea before I had about three screens on because I wanted to watch three things at the same time. Cameroon versus Brazil, Switzerland versus Serbia and Top of the Pops of course. I mainly watched and tweeted along to TOTP but switched back and forth between the football. I think I might have ADHD. Switzerland versus Serbia proved to be the better game, particularly in the first half, which ended 2-2. The second half was less eventful after only one goal to give the Swiss a win, courtesy of Freuler. Between watching the likes of Mr Blobby and Cliff Richard, I heard about Cameroon's goal against Brazil. The scorer, Abubakar, was sent off for his second yellow card after taking his shirt off. Cameroon still went out anyway with Switzerland qualifying in second. Imagine beating Brazil and still not getting through. That is really harsh. If they got a win against Serbia, they would have been alright though. It's crazy that no team in the tournament has managed a perfect 9 points out of 9. That's the first time that's happened since 1994. The second round is now complete with Brazil versus South Korea and Portugal versus Switzerland. The top half of the draw seems stacked, while the bottom half, which England are in, doesn't seem as bad as long as you get France out of the way. The round of 16 is generally the best round at international tournaments, so I'm really looking forward to a weekend of pure drama. we just got time to have a look at the round of 16 now. So we've got Netherlands versus the USA, Argentina versus Australia, Japan versus Croatia, Brazil versus South Korea, England versus Senegal, France versus Poland, Morocco versus Spain, and Portugal versus Switzerland. A few interesting ones there, particularly the Japan-Croatia-Korea-Brazil um, match, which could end up with a potentially Japan versus South Korea quarterfinal. That's unlikely, I suppose, considering who they're facing. We've also got the potential of Australia versus the USA in the quarters, but again, that's unlikely. It's quite difficult to see the round of the tie. It's probably going to be Japan-Croatia, I would say. Although Netherlands, USA might be a bit of a bit of a dark horse. I mean, you'd expect like France to get through against Poland, considering how bad Poland played. 
England haven't actually played Senegal before, so it might be a bit of a sticking one, but I would fancy England for that one. In terms of potential upsets, maybe Morocco could beat Spain. I'm not really sure. It depends what kind of Spain turn up. If they're like they were against Japan, I think Morocco could win. If they're like they were against Costa Rica, then maybe they won't. And Switzerland are always a tough side to beat for Portugal, although they have quite a bit of quality. And we could even see an Iberian derby in the quarterfinals. That'd be fun. So you might remember at the start of the tournament, we did like a random generator to work out who we thought might be going through. And it turns out it wasn't very accurate. Can you be surprised? But it did predict a few key things. So let's just go through it. So it got... So this these are the teams that correctly predicted would qualify. The Netherlands... Argentina, Japan, Morocco, and South Korea. So actually only five teams out of 16. So it's not a very good uh, return rate. But it did predict that Belgium and Germany would go out in the group stage. Even there's two groups, it's predicted upside down, which is Group B and Group G. So if you flip them over, it was actually right. So yeah, it wasn't that accurate. But in the end, I mean, if you did the sort of bog standard predictions, you probably got a lot wrong too, because of like teams like Morocco and Japan getting through. And at one point, my Group E table was correct, which was Japan, Costa Rica, Spain and Germany. Sadly, that didn't actually stick. But I thought we'd put the random predictor to the test for the last 16. So earlier on, I have randomly generated the winners of the round of 16. And to be honest, it's come out pretty much how do you expect, but with two major shocks. So... The random predictor reckons the USA are going to beat the Netherlands in the second round, which is the first shock, really. Argentina will beat Australia, which you would expect. Croatia will beat Japan. Brazil will beat South Korea, which, again, you'd expect. Here's something that's probably not going to go down well. Senegal to beat England, although it is on ITV, so you never know. You might get the ITV curse. We know it's not as bad as the Channel 4 curse, but it still exists, the ITV curse. Although for Wales, it seems like it was more the BBC curse because they lost on the BBC and drawed on ITV. So France versus Poland, it's predicting France will win. Morocco versus Spain, it's picked for Spain. And Portugal for Switzerland, it's gone for Portugal. So those three results, how I guess you'd expect it to be on paper. So that would leave a quarterfinals of USA versus Argentina, Croatia versus Brazil, Senegal versus France, a repeat of the opening game of the 2002 World Cup, and Spain versus Portugal, the Iberian derby. So it should be interesting to see how accurate that is. I'm sure it won't be 100% accurate as it was very, very wrong in the group stage, but there you go. So thank you for listening to Years of Hurt today. Remember, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Years of Hurt International Football. And follow us on Twitter at YOHFootball. Our next episode will be after the round 16. We'll be recapping everything that happened, particularly looking if England are still in the competition. Until then, from me, Richard Carey, it's goodbye. Goodbye.